Welcome to the Gamers Inn. Come on in, pull up a chair next to the fire. It looks like you've had a long journey. I'm your host, Jocelyn, and uh, filling in for Ryan this week, we have John Jagger. What? Hello, <laughs> it's me. You're Welcome. Ryan, the non-Canadian version of Ryan. Hello. <laughs> I like that. I like that. Thank you so much for coming on this week. Uh, Ryan is away. He's taking a week of vacation. It was his daughter's second birthday today. So he's taking some staycation family time this week. Uh, so, yeah, oh, I've got man. I've got John with me. Very, very excited. We might talk more about staycations and what that does to our gaming lives a little bit later on the show. <laughs> well, I mean, we can definitely jump right into that. So I know you recently took some time off to to stay at home and have a little vacation time that ended up into just being a whole week of vac of uh, gaming time, right? Yeah, that wasn't the plan, but that's what it became. Uh, I, I had been working very, very hard. I had a lot of really tough weeks at work and uh, people were taking their vacations and then people got let go. And, you know, months before that, there was a lot of overtime and just the, the pressure had been building. And finally, I said, you know what? I've been working hard. I've let every aspect of my life just kind of sit there for a while. Uh, it's time to get caught up. It's time to refresh. And, you know, I think I just need a week to do that. So I took a week. And unfortunately for me, despite my best intentions and my best plans, that week happened to be when uh, Rebel Galaxy Outlaw came out. And even worse, when the No Man's Sky update hit, and I proceeded to spend that entire week just pretty much playing No Man's Sky. So that's actually really interesting to me because No Man's Sky is something that I never picked up, but I often see comparisons between No Man's Sky and another game that I love and play all the time, which is Sea of Thieves. And they seem to have very similar launches where they launched and they were a little bit less than expected and a kind of empty-ish worlds and, and big disappointments to a lot of fans, but they've had a lot of updates lately, uh, both Sea of Thieves and No Man's Sky. So didn't No Man's Sky just recently have like a big update added to it? Yeah, they did a, a really big update called No Man's Sky Beyond. And it was, you know, the big pillars of what the update was, uh, I didn't think was going to mean anything to me because it was VR support, which I don't have VR. So I didn't really care about that. And it was a big update to include a lot more interactive and bigger scale multiplayer, which I don't really play multiplayer. So I, I didn't really care that much about that. But it also came with a whole slew of gameplay tweaks and fixes and all of that. And essentially, you know, the way they described it was they'd been kind of bolting on these new systems and now you can build bases and now you can do this and now you can do this. Ooh, and player vehicles. housing. There is player housing. <laughs> build it yourself like Minecraft almost, uh, you know, and... They added all this stuff, but the systems didn't really feed into each other in a logical way because they were just kind of bolting these things on as they did updates. So kind of the, the big thing that they did with this pass was they found a way for the progression of you're walking around on foot, you get this stuff, which can be used for this stuff, which can be used for this stuff, you know, on and on and on. They, they found a way to make that make sense and kind of flow into each other so that over the course of adventuring, 
okay, you've repaired your ship. Did you know you can also now build a base? No, I didn't. I will do that. Uh, and they've added a story to it. There's a whole story mode that kind of walks you through the basics of the game. And it's actually kind of an interesting, genuinely cool little sci-fi story. It's not mind-blowing, but it definitely gets into those high-minded sci-fi concepts of, you know, what is reality? What are we doing? What is, what is a simulation? What if we're in a simulation? You know, <laughs> oh, no. These, I hate those these, conversations like, so that? much. <laughs> it's... Uh, I will say it's interesting if you want to engage with it, but the game at every step of the way allows you to also just go, I'm going to just explore. Thanks. I'm going to go <laughs> build a base. Not interested in wondering if this game's a simulation. Spoilers. I'm playing a video game, so it must be a simulation. I'm off. You know, you can do that if you want. Um, and that's kind of what I did. You know, I spent the week, getting a ship I liked and then building a base that I liked and then trying to make that base bigger and then discovering that I was having weird problems with the terrain looking the way I wanted and then spending a ton of time making a thing that didn't work. And then, <laughs> uh, you know, it was just one of these things. And it, it's such a, for me, a peaceful game, you know, that's, we all kind of look for that game. That's our, our game that we unwind to. And it's definitely a game where I can open up Netflix, I can watch a movie, I can do any number of things while I'm playing No Man's Sky. And I'm just chilled while I'm playing that game. It's just relaxing to me. So while I didn't get that much productive stuff done in that week, I did really relax because, boy, that game was just relaxing and soothing to me during that time. You say you did nothing productive during that week, but it sounds like you like built a house and landscaped and. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, my look super productive. My, my no man's sky life has got it going on. They have figured out their life and they need nothing more from me. I could probably learn a thing or two from them. and I should. <laughs> so now that you've done that, now that you've like built your base and repaired your ship and landscaped your lawn i guess um is there, <laughs> yeah. is there like more to the game because that sounds like it's all localized to one planet but like do you go out and explore and can you like teleport back to your base or something like how does it because i haven't i've never played the game and uh matt my husband played it on launch so i kind of watched a little bit of him playing it but i was like eh, this looks boring so i'm out <laughs> yeah <laughs> So is there more to um, it, like what what do you actually what do you actually do? <laughs> so, yeah, if I mean, the story is there and as part of the story with where I'm at, um, the, the game has basically given me a mission to go to the center of the galaxy at this point uh, to just start making my way there. And you can try and achieve that as quickly as possible or you can just say, you know what, I want to explore and I just want to see the worlds and see what they have to offer and all of that. And, you know, you can take your time, which is kind of more the route I'm going when I go to a new system. I want to explore all the planets. I'm not so crazy that I'm, like, naming all the rocks and stuff like that. <laughs> um, but uh, I am to the point where, like, I'll go down to the planet, check it out, see what it's about. I went to one that was just basically there was a blizzard. I couldn't see anything. I nearly crashed right into the ground. Landed, got out, nearly died immediately. The planet is just so awful and cold. 
There was just weird lights in the snow I couldn't really describe. So naturally, I named it Ice Crown. Obviously. Uh, so Blizzard, you're welcome for there being an Ice Crown <laughs> planet. Probably one of many in No Man's Sky. And, uh, you know, I, I find a lot of fun in checking those things out. Um, most of the time, the discoveries, you know, I'm not going to name that tree. I'm not going to name the rock. Usually I'll just go with whatever stupid name for the animal I found is. Occasionally, I just have to name it something. Like there was this big, like it had like a weird cow head, but it walked on two legs and it had just big old belly. I was just like, that's a frump. If I've ever seen a frump, that's a frump. <laughs> I need to name it such and the world needs to know that that's a, a frump. Uh so, so okay. when you say the world needs to know and multiple ice crowns and stuff, so are you existing in the world with other players, even if you're playing solo? It's not a hundred percent clear on that. <laughs> um, it, it's a little hard to say because they've created a universe that's so vast that unless you're making a strong effort to run into somebody else, the odds of you running into somebody else are pretty slim. Right. So, I remember uh, that conversation from when it very first launched, because when it first launched, they were like, oh, yeah, no, we're totally going to have multiplayer like right up until launch. And then everyone was like in the game, but couldn't find any other players. And then they were kind of like, oh, yeah, well, the world's it's it's all really big. So maybe you just haven't run into people yet. And then eventually they were like, no. No, we never put that in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's kind of more where it landed. But I mean, you do see elements of it where it's like, so I've gone to a bunch of different systems at this point. And I would say of all the systems that I've gone to, I've been the first person to ever set foot in those systems, in most okay. of them. Uh, there were only ever three that I went to where somebody else had been there before me. And then even of those three systems, Clearly, I was following one person for a while because it was the same person for two <laughs> systems in a row. Um, and it was three years ago that they were there because it'll tell oh, you wow. when they discovered it. And so they discovered it three years ago. And even then, they weren't visiting all the planets. They must have been, you know, kind of making a beeline for the center of the galaxy or for whatever objective they were going for. Because a lot of the planets, I was the first one to discover set foot there, except for maybe one planet in the system but they had discovered the system itself. So you see kind of remnants of people in that regard. Now with this big beyond update, there was a lot of talk about like, here's the multiplayer features we've added. They've added it to where like there can be 35 people in the same place at any given time. I don't know how live that is. Like, I don't know if that's a, you have to opt into it and have 35 people all join together or if it's the, the game is capable of recognizing up to 35 people in the same place. The one area where I have run into other people is they've added a thing called the Nexus. And when you dock in the Nexus, you are populated into an area where there are other people running around. Okay. So I can see other people's ships and I can see other people running around and bump into them. There's a whole thing where you can go do missions together from the Nexus, but I've never done that. Because I'm just like, again, for me, it's a very peaceful game. So you add yeah, other something people you're to the doing mix to and I'm like, relax, yeah, yeah. it's gone. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I totally get that. I totally get that. <laughs> so, so I'm like, ew, somebody else has been on this planet. Ew. Uh, this whole planet's ruined. It has another person on it. <laughs> I can see um, footprints, damn it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, gross, tainted. 
so that's how I get. So I, I haven't really sought it out. I know Bo was saying when we were talking about it that he he just randomly joined Scott's game. Like he saw he was playing and he was just like, sure, let's see if I can do this. So he just jumped in there and started playing with Scott. And I guess I'll give the same warning on this show that he gave on Core the other night. So he randomly joined Scott's game. Scott didn't get any message that somebody had joined his game. And it might have been just Scott's setup being weird because of all the shows and podcasts and streaming and all that. But it might not have been. But Bo joined and through the comms could hear what movie Scott was watching. (laughs) Scott had no warning that Bo was even there. Or, like, somebody could be listening in. So, what movie was Scott watching? (laughs) Well, it being Scott, it was, of course, like, nothing particularly interesting or anything like that. I wish I could tell you it was something real salacious. Yeah, something scandalous. (laughs) Yeah, like, oh, let me tell you the dark secrets of Scott Johnson. (laughs) There's one thing he thinks goes well together. It's pornography and No Man's Sky. (laughs) Uh, but no, <laughs> that was not the case. But a word of warning to anybody out there who does like the combination of pornography and No Man's Sky. <laughs> Somebody joins your game, they might know. So check your settings. I check feel like, twice. yeah, so it's probably because, like you said, Scott does all the podcasting and whatever. So he's probably constantly feeding like his computer audio through his mic sort of thing. Because, like, when you do shows with him and he plays bumpers and stuff, you can hear them, right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's yeah, what so we it's were probably kind of that. Yeah, it's probably that set up for sure. So your your average person is probably not blasting their computer, their computer audio out into No Man's Sky. But it's worth checking your settings. Yeah. So then o- always was Bo able to be like, hey, Scott, <laughs> and like scare the shit out of him? No, Bo got nervous about it and felt voyeuristic. <laughs> and so he left. He just didn't he just didn't say anything and he just left and then told him after the fact. That is amazing. <laughs> so I mean the, so I guess the point of all of this is there is multiplayer stuff in there. I'm not super familiar with it, but one of the things they've added is uh, up on space stations there are these way gates that will get you to any other space station you visited, get you to any planet that you have a base on. Um, It kind of covers all of that, which allows for that fast travel element. So you can say, okay, we're going to meet up here. We're going to do this. And one of the things you can build at your base is your own personal way gate. So you can just go right to and from your base to wherever you might be exploring at any given moment. Well, that's a little, that's nice. Cause I, I remember it used to be, I think you had to fly everywhere and it took just, forever <laughs> it was like okay yeah. estimated time of arrival is 15 real time minutes from now it's like okay well what do i do in the meantime <laughs> yeah exactly you know you gotta you gotta be gotta be a little quicker on, on yeah. that it's not it's not fun to be in I that mean, situation there's there's something to be said for like the oh look i'm flying through space for that might last for like a minute But then eventually, like, it wears a little thin when you're like, okay, I just want to get from point A to point B and do something. And you've got 15 minutes of glorious space. It's like, okay, that's not actually glorious anymore. Now I'm just getting bored. (laughs) Yeah. Maybe I just have a really short attention span, but I feel like flying through space would would wear pretty thin. 
I tended to use that time as like time to get a little more to drink. But I mean, with the with the pulse engine going, like even the really long distance ones, I don't think I ever had anything higher than I think probably two minutes was the longest. And that was for a huge system going from farthest planet to farthest planet. And it was two minutes and I was like, perfect time to go get a drink and maybe a snack. <laughs> came back and sat down and I was flying directly at a planet and went, ah, and, you know, freaked out, pulled up and it was all fine. But, uh, no, it's, it's a solid, it's a solid game and you can see, you know, they, they're continuing to work on it in a really good way. It's getting into some interesting things. There's been some stuff that I've run into in the game. That's been very cool. Some stuff that's actually kind of terrifying that I didn't know was in the game that they added. Like they like to sneak in these weird kind of like almost horror elements into the game Ooh, every fun. now and then. Yeah, I was underwater and less fun, I, less fun. <laughs> I was swimming around and a hazard popped up on my suit and I, I targeted it and it said like Eldritch Horror. And I was like, oh, my God, what? I was like, what's that? I have to know. And I started swimming towards it and it looked like just a kind of thin smokestack almost coming out of the ground underwater. And I was like, what is that? And I started swimming closer and closer and closer. And then when I got within, you know, a pretty decent clip of it, it turns and aims at me and opens and it's a giant eye in the water. <laughs> and it starts like shooting rings out and the rings wrap around me and start dragging me into it. I was like, oh, it's less cool. It's less cool. It's more <laughs> I terrifying. I made a mistake. A horrible, horrible mistake. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, they put in cool little stuff like that. There's neat things to discover and find. And, you know, I think that there are aspects that I feel like could be expanded. I wish there was a little more you could do, you know, maybe as like kind of riding that outlaw thing, you know, because you can shoot down ships. There's really not a huge penalty for like seeing another ship flying around and go, I'm shoot you down. <laughs> and they'll send sentinels after you or something like that. But, and if you're getting attacked, you can communicate with the ships, but it's always, the way it always works is you get scanned by criminals. They say they're going to shoot you down. You can talk to them and you can say, Hey, don't, Please don't shoot, shoot me. Down. <laughs> yeah. Like you can say, don't and give them a bunch of money and they'll go away. Or you can say, let's negotiate and give them half the amount of money that they want. Or you can say, you know, nothing, and then they fight you. So, of course, you always just fight them. Like, because, you know, obviously, don't give them money. Don't support these people. You're a badass. Obviously, you can outfly them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I would like to build a reputation and be able to have more interesting conversations with these people, especially when they send like four ships and you shoot down three of them and it's just like one little like tiny alien. And you're just, I should feel like I should be able to contact them and go, all your friends are dead. Yeah. <laughs> Please are, are leave me still, alone now. <laughs> are we still going to do this and have him freak out and just and let me go? <laughs> Uh, that's what I would like to see them expand a little more into. But I mean, there's been so many updates for it and it's, it's just kind of a totally different game at this point. Yeah, it sounds like it. It sounds like it's a lot more in depth and it also sounds like they've been listening to their community a lot because I know like people had asked for the ability to build a base and to, uh, have more story built in. And cause I, I do remember people talking about, you know, going to the center of the universe, but then there was like nothing really of interest there and they're like i beelined it here but 
but why? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So now it seems that there's a little bit more of a why. So they, they seem to be listening to their community and updating it quite a lot. Again, like the parallels between No Man's Sky and Sea of Thieves are very apparent to me because um, yeah. Rare's been doing the same sort of thing where like they started off with not much and now like they've got an arena where you can battle. And I don't know if you watched the Twitch rivals of Sea of Thieves, but it was like super intense and really cool. <laughs> No, I did. But see, that's the thing is like, I'm super intrigued by that game. That's another one that I really, really want to get into um, because it's just one of those games that just looked amazing. Yeah, it's not what you it's not what you heard <laughs> from people <laughs> who were playing it. But you were like, but my goodness, it, it looks so great. I want to go there. It's much and better now. Very similar to No Man's Sky. Very, very similar. Well, and now I have the Xbox pass, so I really don't have any excuse. <laughs> well, and you can also play cross platforms like I can play with you if you log in on your Xbox and I'm on my PC. We can play together, which is really cool. Did did Thrall hang up on you? Uh, no, <laughs> I'm sorry. I I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm muted to type you a, a secret message. Uh. And uh, then I was like, oh, no, I'm in for a penny in for a pound. Um <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It's like uh, you're the call is cutting out a little bit. It's like the mic sensitivity may need to go up a little bit. It's like, it's oh, OK, I I blame Thrall for that. <laughs> OK, is it is it you better know. now? Yes. OK, yeah, no, he definitely just jumped up and I had to, like, push my chair way back so that he could. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> find comfort yeah he just had surgery so i'm like adapting to him but at the same time yeah i was definitely further away from the mic than i should have been but yeah so sea of thieves (laughs) sea of thieves Thieves. much better Uh, than it was (laughs) so i've got the i've got the microsoft pass so i think i think i'm gonna get into it and i know um i know scott has it i know bo's getting it so we might do some pirating soon, and I'm Ooh. pretty excited about it. Looking forward to the prospect of it because that, like, like we were saying, that is another one that, like, oh, it just looked so good. And I kept asking, like, every time I saw people doing stuff, I was like, "But why are you doing the stuff?" And it, it feels like that's what they've really addressed. Is all right, we'll give you a reason why. Yeah, yeah, they've definitely added a lot more to it. They've added more factions. They've added more like story based events and stuff and and more just more things to do and more ways to do it. So it's uh, it sounds a lot like No Man's Sky in that way. So, yeah, if you're going to if you're looking to pirate, man, hit me up. Could be fun. Um, Okay. the other thing. Okay, so you mentioned in No Man's Sky that it was kind of your like sit back and relax game and. Honestly, that's totally what I found in WoW Classic. So I don't have you had a chance to play. Are you interested in WoW Classic at all? Like, is is that your jam or are you not touching it with a 10 foot pole? Uh, it remains to be seen. I I will say that the 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 FOMO, I keep saying it. I've been saying it so much. And I, hate <laughs> it. I hate I hate I hate hearing people say FOMO so much. And I've been saying it a ton. But like. The, the FOMO around that game and the advertising for that game has been real solid and it's got me tempted. Like personally, I'm not interested in it, but then I also said, you know, I did the whole thing like, Hey, I'm wanting to get back into streaming. What do people want to see? 
And I, I don't know if it was just to troll me because they knew I didn't <laughs> want to play it, but man, did I get a lot of people saying stream WoW Classic. And I, I thought about it and I was like, you know, if I streamed it, I feel like that would be fun. Which is really and, funny because I've had almost the opposite thought. Like, so I finally got in after fighting the Q boss today. I finally was able to get in and play some. And I was like, first of all, this I feel like would be super boring to watch. <laughs> but second of all, it's yes. kind of nice to just sit down and, and chill. And yeah. not like, I don't know. And that's why I've been enjoying it so much, to be honest. Like, I'm not looking to raid because I'm still running the heroic raid team in retail. And so I'm approaching classic almost the polar opposite, like as casual as I can possibly go. I don't want to group with anybody. I don't want to talk to anybody. I just want to read my quest text and wander around the world and learn what it's like to be an Alliance paladin in vanilla. <laughs> like <laughs> I have no oh. interest in anything else. I'm just taking my time. I'm, playing everything really slowly. And yeah, like I'm just, I'm sitting back and relaxing and I'm like, no one would want to watch a stream of this. Like <laughs> this is the, how ultimate are you impact. feeling about vanilla paladin? Well, Cause I have a memory of what I think vanilla paladin is. So and it, it's like it's a hundred, it's like a hundred times different than current ret paladin. Um, but I'm really enjoying it because it's like I'm casting a whole bunch of spells on myself and then just attacking the whatever I'm trying to kill. So like it's it's kind of interesting because you're used to like constantly casting spells at something. But I'm like just like buffing myself up and then being like whack with my sword or whack with my axe. And it's I don't know. I, I like it. It's it's fun. It's like it's. You it's, could make it a free to play game. <laughs> you kind of could. And that's like, that's actually why I like, I'm really enjoying it is because it is so relaxing. Cause I don't have to worry about this like rhythm based rotation. It's like, do I have all my buffs? Yes. Now I just auto attack. Glorious. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, uh, that definitely confirms that my memory of vanilla paladin is intact. I remember, exa I remember exactly what that was like. I should also say that I'm level seven. So yes. <laughs> the amount of, of skills and things I have right now, I basically have a couple of different seals I can cast. And it even took me a minute to realize, like, I would put this like buff on myself and then I'd cast judgment. And then I'm like, why aren't I buffed anymore? It's like, oh, judgment spends my seal. Oh, I'm getting it. I'm getting it. <laughs> So it's like there's this because I've stayed totally spoiler free. I have read no guides. I have no idea what the hell I'm doing. I am just going in totally blind into this experience that I've never had before because I started playing in Tata. So this is all totally new to me. And uh, yeah, yeah, that's exciting. It that's, is. That's yeah. fun. Like you are exactly the person that I'm most excited for classic existing for, which is just. Look at all the bullshit we had to deal with back in the day. <laughs> and that's really what it feels like, why I wanted to like experience it. Because by the time I started playing, even my hunter didn't use mana. It was focus. So I, I haven't even been in the game when hunters used mana and when they had arrows and when they had to keep their pets happy and all these other things. I'm just <laughs> like, it's 
totally new. Now I haven't been able to play my hunter yet because my hunter is on the PVP server. That's had like a four hour queue. So I've just been playing my paladin, which is on the PVE server, but I'm having yeah. a lot of fun. Uh, the only thing is like, I I'm at a point now and I I've also tried not to look anything up and not to ask anybody, but I got really, really stuck. So I did end up asking my, uh, my guild and I was like, okay, I'm level seven. I'm being given quests and then I go to the area and it's all things that are level 10 and I can't even kill one of them. <laughs> so can someone please explain to me why this is happening? And they're like, oh, there's not enough quests to level up in vanilla. You have to just go and kill stuff in the woods. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. I thought I missed like whole entire quest chains. They're like, no, no. <laughs> no, eventually we must all attack some boars for a while. Yeah. <laughs> Which is so funny considering like if you look at like my retail WoW experience, it's like, there are so many quests in WoW now that you cannot complete all the quests before you hit max level. So like, right. yeah, there's just, there's so many like side quest chains and stuff like that. So I'm used to just like following a story, following all the quests and normally hitting max level before I even hit the end of the chain. So it's a totally different experience. It's like, hey, yeah, there's like these dudes in the vineyard and we're kind of mad at them for some reason that you literally don't need to know just go hit them hard and come back. Okay. Okay. And that's like, go hit them hard. And then I come back and they're like, congratulations, move to the next city. <laughs> yes. Oh, you did it. You killed the vineyard people. Great. Yeah. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah. Like you step outside of that gate and get jumped by bandits that just straight up. Murder you. You're like, what did I do wrong? Why? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, no, you weren't supposed to go through that gate yet. You were supposed to go and kill a bunch of spiders in the woods, but nobody told you. And it's like, yeah. that's, I, I'm really enjoying that experience because it's just, it is very laid back and it is very uh, exploration based and like self-driven. It's not like you have to go here and you have to go there and then you have to go do this thing. It's like, no, you, you could go try those quests, but they're going to murder your face. So go find something else to do for, you know, two levels of content. It's like, oh. Uh, okay, <laughs> I could yeah. run to Stormwind if I really wanted to, but <laughs> they do a really good job of not handholding quite to the degree that that WoW does nowadays. Uh, you know, we saw a lot of that with Pandaria, where it felt like this quest chain leads to this quest chain, leads to this quest chain, leads to this quest chain, to now you're to another zone, and. They tried to get away from that by it being this quest chain leads to a choice of quest yeah. chains. Um, and that's fine. It's it's probably ultimately more fun if you said which of these do you want to do. But there was, uh, there was a thing lost, which was this, like, just needing to be a part of the universe and discover where you wanted to go next and discover what you wanted to do next. Um that, that just made sense at the time of classic. Yeah. And I can totally see how like choosing your quest chain is some amount of player agency, but it's, you're still so on rails as compared to classic. And I never really understood, obviously as someone who hadn't played classic, I never really understood 
what people were talking about or why they were so obsessed with the idea of vanilla. Wow. When I'm like, it's we're playing. Wow. What's the problem? Like, why do you want to go back? It's the same freaking game. And I, I really didn't understand how much had changed over 15 years, like in core game design. So it's been a really interesting, even as like little as I've played, I played in the beta up to level 10 on the horde side as an undead. And then I played, um, like I said, I'm up to seven now on my paladin on the Alliance side. And even just that little chunk of gameplay, I'm like, wow, this is very, very different. Like if I wasn't recognizing areas from retail that I'd like walked through and played through before, I would think I was playing an entirely different game because none of this feels <laughs> like the way my Paladin and BFA feels. So, yeah, but I think in a, in a really good and interesting way. And I think that there's potentially a lot of lessons that can be learned from classic, especially since it's so popular. It'll be interesting to see if it remains popular. Yeah, I think that's going to be the interesting thing. Because, I mean, obviously there's going to be fall off, but yeah, how yeah. many people stick with it and for how long is going to be interesting. And I, I agree with you. I'm really curious to see what they learn from this because I think there are lessons to take from this. Because I'll tell you, like, yeah, my interest in going to Classic is, is pretty low. But a big part of that is because I've already played it. I yeah. was there. And I'm... I'm nostalgic of those memories, but I'm not nostalgic for those memories or reliving memories like it. I'm, I'm more like, I'm more interested in doing something new. Um, if we lived in a world where it was like, like when they make new levels for Doom, you know, like you go back and you're playing Doom again, but it's a brand new level you've never played before. Like if they were like, we're taking Classic and it's going to be on a whole, like, we're doing an expansion to Classic. Yeah. Um, that starts to get me excited. I'm like, oh, go on. Let's try it. You know, let's see, let's see what that is. Just because I, I want to see something new. I want to do something new. Um, I don't want to just do that thing that I did so much 15 years ago. But I think you're right. There is absolutely something about the way that game was made, about the decisions that they had, about the design of it, you know, I think there is a piecemeal version between what we have now and what we had then that is a really cool idea, and I hope Blizzard takes it and makes that game. <laughs> so basically, you want Wrath of the Lich King. <laughs> uh, you know, I, see, that's the thing. I think about that because a lot, that's been a big topic of discussion, too, is like, are they ever going to do a Burning Crusade classic? Are they ever going to do a Lich King classic? Because I know for a lot of people... Um, you know, especially if they came later in the game, they hear people like me that are always like, Lich King was Yes, that's true. And that's what I hear all the time as someone who <laughs> came at the end of Kata, like going into Mop. Everyone, everyone says, oh, Lich King was the best thing ever. Wintergrass was so good. And Lich King raids and nothing was better than Old War. And I'm like, really, guys? Really? <laughs> like, what made that one so good and so special? And I think that's a, I, that's an interesting question for Blizzard to kind of be asking is like, why does everyone latch on to Lich King so much? What were we doing so right at that point in time? Yeah, I think Lich King is the balance of. I, I would have to go back and play it again because now we're starting to get into the mechanics and it starts to become, well, 
where were we at with yeah, talent what happened at, that time? at this point? Where, yeah. Yeah. What design philosophy were we operating at yeah. at any given point with, with all of this? But um, as far as Lich King's story and world, you know, it's hard to top excitement for Lich King. So many people played Warcraft 3 and knew who Arthas was and knew who the Lich King was. And he was a villain that you spent all of Warcraft 3 thinking you would fight and kill. And then you spent all of the expansion for Warcraft 3 thinking, okay, he was a kind of a hanging thread from that game. Now we'll get him for sure. And he just comes to power at the end of that game. Mm-hmm. And you're like, what is going on? <laughs> like, the chief villain of this game not only didn't die or pay for his crimes, but he became exceptionally powerful by the end of it. And that was something I really liked out of those RTSs, to be honest, is like in the first one, the invaders win, like the orcs win. It's like, wait, what? (laughs) That's not (laughs) supposed to happen. And then like you say, (laughs) yeah, Arthas, you know, didn't pay for what he'd done. He, he came to power. He came into everything that he was trying to get like he got it he won and you're just like wait what the bad guys aren't supposed to win and it's like oh but when the bad guys win that makes a really interesting story (laughs) it does and and everybody sat there and went are you gonna make more and they said no (laughs) and then they they said okay well we're gonna make world of warcraft and as that game was coming out people were like well are you gonna address arthas and it was like no (laughs) <laughs> and, and like that was the thing is like leading up to that game, I can remember so many people talking and so many people, even in the days of classic, were like, when do you think they're going to put Arthas in this game? When are you going to put Arthas in this game? Can you see him? Is he anywhere? And, there, you know, Internet wasn't as uh, prevalent. There wasn't as easy to get information. And so there was so much talk about like, oh, you can see you see Arthas in this one spot. And it was a, somebody just made that up. That was, a lie. <laughs> that was just a bold lie. Um, but it was this kind of looming thing over it. And then details started to come out about the first expansion. And it was like, oh, we're going to Outland. And nobody really talked about Arthas in that context. So it was like, oh, we'll probably see Illidan. Because they had plenty of characters that were, were hanging out still. Yeah. Um, and so we were all very excited to go to Outland. But that was the thing, even when we were playing Burning Crusade, my guild and I, and everybody I talked to, it was always the same discussion. Yes, we're having fun. When do you think we'll fight Arthas? When do you (laughs) think that happens? People were talking about Arthas through Classic. They were talking about it through Burning Crusade. And then when they were finally like, okay, it's time for Arthas, people lost their minds. And so I think a huge driving force of what makes Lich King so great is that you have a story that so many people are invested in. Um, And that's a huge part of it. I think the gameplay was solid. Ulduar is an amazing raid. I have some of the most fond memories of raiding in that place. Um, But, I mean, you also just have the best baddie that they've ever done. Very, very true. And I, I get maybe that's the part that I'm missing because all of that stuff, like I never went through and did any of those raids or any of the dungeons. Like by the time I was going through, it was just like, how fast can I get through this content on my own so I can catch up to my friends sort of thing. So I didn't have those same Lich King feels. And obviously yeah. all of the um, mechanics and stuff were different. So I, I would love to see a Burning Crusade and a, and a Lich King and 
But it, it does become interesting about like, okay, so do they change the classic servers and add in these expansions or do they leave vanilla vanilla and then make new servers that will be BC servers and then new servers that are Lich King servers? Because I feel like if they just start patching expansions into WoW Classic, then it's like, but I just wanted to play vanilla and now you've ruined it again. <laughs> yeah, you would think that they would have to get behind it early. Um, if I was Blizzard, and I haven't really thought this through, so this could fall apart quick. <laughs> uh, I would introduce the idea of classic servers that would be labeled like progression. And the idea behind it would be this. This server is going to eventually evolve. Right. We don't, we don't know when. We can't. We're not going to give you a time frame. Just know that by making a character on a server marked progression, that if we ever increase the patch that we're on, and if we ever introduce the idea of a Burning Crusade classic, this server will enable that. And you will be able to progress further when that happens. And that way the people who are into that idea can make a character there and say, yeah, bring it on. When it happens, it happens. And the people that are like, no, I just want vanilla. Blizzard, listen, yeah. just vanilla. <laughs> they Stop can, updating me. <laughs> they can still have their server yeah. and you know, know that it's not going to change. I think that would be a cool idea and let people kind of do that together. I think it would have been a cool idea to launch Classic with that concept rather than maybe at some point down the road going, surprise, and making them start all over again. Well, but, I think um, from the sounds of it, they're essentially seeing how Classic does. And then from there, like taking that interest, engaging, you know, how how much people are still going to keep playing WoW Classic after the initial big boom launch, right? Yeah. Then they've said, you know, like we are looking at Burning Crusade and expansions beyond that. Like that's definitely an idea and we're not opposed to it. We just want to make sure that if we make it, people will play it, which I think is totally valid. Um, so as much as I, I think, yeah, I'm 100 percent behind you. I think that's a great way to do it is like flag some servers as these will change over time. Um, but yeah, I like that idea a lot, but I see why they wouldn't launch with that but i could see them like when they actually introduce it because they've talked about um giving characters free transfers for like to get rid of server load and issues and things like that so oh that's cool yeah, yeah I so i feel I'm like they're operating under that assumption that you'd have to pay you'd have to pay that, or so. start a new character yeah but it sounds like they're they're kind of open to just being flexible around classic because it's something that they never intended to do. So I, it sounds like they're very much open to community ideas and complaints and stuff and being like, Oh, okay, well here, here's a free thing to go fix that. Like, so I think if they ever did say like implement your idea of flagging a server as eventually evolving, then they'd be like, okay, if you want to transfer onto a server, that's going to have BC for, you can do it for the next two weeks for free. Go. Um, yeah, yeah, I could see that happening for sure. Um, it's, it's an interesting idea, but, uh, I mean, just vanilla itself is, has been a really cool experience for me so far. And I think it's because I'm taking the full on casual, like not even doing group content, like just wanting to see the story and the quests. I think that's why I'm enjoying it so much. Yeah. 
And I think there's something there. I'm really excited to hear what you think as you as you go forward, you know, (laughs) because we're all uh, not all of us, but so many of us are old and jaded about it. We're like (laughs) ammo for guns. Yeah, see, that sounds so cool to me. I'm like, oh, yay, more things to manage. And that's that's kind of the the attitude that I'm taking going into this is I'm excited because I can see all the things, all the decisions and all the management that's been kind of stripped out of the game in order to improve like quality of life as just gaming in general has progressed over time. But there's something to be said about the complexity of a game that actually gives players more agency and more choice and lets them play their way. And this is what I mean about not having my hand held with quests all the way through that give me the exact right amount of XP to make sure that I'm at level whatever by the time I'm done a zone. It's like, no, there's actually not enough quests. You got to go find your own adventure. And that to me is really cool. And then you've got, you know, the trainers where you have to go learn your spells and stuff. And it's just like, well, that's also really cool because I can decide if I want to do some sort of like ret prot hybrid or something. And yeah, it may not be the best build in the game, but who cares? I'm playing by myself (laughs) and I'm playing casually. And even if I'm playing with my friends, like, yeah, I can do what I want to do. Exactly. And I definitely don't get that feeling in retail In retail. I feel like. My character is what my character is. I have all of my spells and that's just the way to go. Um, And it might be because I'm heroic rating. So I am paying attention a little bit more to what I'm supposed to do and what my best build is and what my best traits are. So it might be a little bit of that too. Just a different attitude. Some of that for sure. But I also feel like you you look at how they just gave story out this expansion. And it, it was like... Uh, you Story? Know, I Are we going to call it that? <laughs> I, I am. Here's the thing. I know you have major problems with the story. I do too in some ways. But I hear so many people say, oh, current WoW has a bad story. I don't think it does. I think it actually has a really good story. I think the problem is how that story is being delivered and how long a time they're trying to deliver that story over and what they're asking you to do to get that story. Because I, I can agree with things, that. If I look at the things that I love from this expansion, it's all been story-related stuff. But if I look at the things that I've hated this expansion, it's also all been story-related <laughs> stuff. Um, because so much of it is, you know, I tried to get in on this patch, a patch where they clearly wanted to bring people back in. They knew people were having a hard time. Um, they, they knew they needed to put a lot of content out there and get a lot of people into it. And I tried. But... I got in and I was like, okay, let's see the new stuff. And for some reason there's boats and for some reason they're going someplace. For some reason, Ashara is doing a thing. And for some reason there's a dagger. And for some reason, like, <laughs> it's just, it's just so much of this stuff. And like, if I wanted to be like, if I wanted to get on the internet and stand on my soapbox and go, why people could tell me the problem is the game never let me experience that through my natural order of things because they wanted to make sure that this part was in Island expeditions. And this part was if you were doing your daily quests and this part was if you were raiding and rather than let everybody have a legitimate experience, they really picked and chose where that story content was going to fall. And if you didn't say, Oh, I'm a hundred percent into all aspects of this game, you were denied elements of that story and you missed it. And so you were left scratching your head going, this is a bad story. Well, 
except I'm mad about it and I'm mad about it because I care and I care because it's actually a good story. They're just doing a bad job of telling it. (laughs) I think it has the potential to maybe be good. But my problem is basically that they're expecting me to wait years to figure out if it is a good story. Like they keep saying it's good and they keep saying it's not the same as Pandaria and they keep saying, trust us, trust us, trust us. And I'm like, well, but I trusted you about the tree and we know how that played out. So, (laughs) and it just like the the payoffs for some of those moments are apparently years away. And it's just like that, that's just kind of crappy. But anyway, yeah, we're totally that's too getting, long. yeah, that's, <laughs> that's way, way too long of that's a wait. way too long of a wait. Exactly. And we're kind of getting off onto a very wow centric tangent here. But uh, but yeah, so I just wanted to let everybody know I am in wow classic. It's what I've been spending some time doing. But the other thing that I've been spending my time doing, which I'm super stoked about, is uh, I just barely started Man of Medan, which just came out today a couple of hours ago. And it's super freaking cool. It's from the people who made Until Dawn. So, John, did you ever play Until Dawn? I did not. I watched like five different people play through Until Dawn. So it's a game I haven't played that I am a huge fan of. (laughs) I I love Until Dawn. (laughs) Never played it, but I love that game. And I'm so excited about Man of Medan. I don't know if I'll play it. I might. I want to, um, but it's a decision I feel like I have to make because pretty soon it's going to be streaming and pretty soon people are going to be playing it and they have these group parties and plays and I'm sure you're going to get into all of that. (laughs) And I feel like I need to, I feel like I need to figure out if I'm actually going to play it before I start spoiling myself. Yeah. You need to make a choice. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So it is, it is very similar to until dawn in that it is another, um, choice based story game and so previously in Until Dawn, you were like t- uh, talking to like a psychiatrist and they were like mapping out your fears and stuff. But in this, uh, so Man of Medan is actually the first in what they're calling. Oh, I'm totally blanking on it now, but it's an anthology anyways. So you're oh. actually talking to the curator and he's opening the books and like telling the stories. And then you are he calls it interfering with the story. In that, like, you're going in and um, making choices based on your moral compass, and you can basically decide who lives and dies in these stories, and then he is, like, curating or writing down your version of the story. So this is the first in a series. The next one, there's actually a teaser for it in the credits, and it's coming out next year. Uh, And so they are... Totally unrelated. So like Until Dawn has nothing to do with Man of Medan, has nothing to do with the one that's coming out in 2020. The only common thread is this curator guy. So he's just basically like letting you interact with different horror stories. It's a really kind of cool idea. And this one, what makes it so different from Until Dawn, because it's got the same basic like go around, explore the room from like and the the camera angles that you're allowed to see from are very deliberate like you don't have a free camera it's just like depending on where you stand in the room that's what camera angle you're gonna get so it's it is very deliberate it's very directed it's it's almost like a a movie that you interact with with some quick time events and, and some choices and stuff there's a lot of dialogue choice 
but the thing that makes this so different and so cool is you can choose to play alone, like Until Dawn, or you can play this game co-op. So what actually happens is like, I control a character and let's say I'm playing with you, John, so you would control a character. We're playing in the same game at the same time. And then something would just pop up on my screen. Like I would be, we'd be having a conversation and you would suddenly kind of like, like your character would, would pause and then up above it would say like, John is deciding. So like we are interacting with each other through the dialogue choices. It's so cool. (laughs) That's awesome. I mean, that's what that game, I mean, that's what, that's the natural evolution of that game because until dawn, was at its best, get a group of people in the room or involved with you to shout out what they think you should do at any given moment. But it's also quick. It's really hard to do in a social setting because everyone's reading at the same time and all of that. Um, It's it's a lot easier when you can give someone a controller and give them some agency in the story too. It's such a cool idea. Yeah, so that's it's a two-player co-op experience. Or like I said, you can play by yourself. So... I imagine in that case, they just have like a set story for the the NPC that normally your co-op partner would play. Uh, so I'm not exactly sure, like if I go through and play to say like chapter three. And then you decide you want to jump in and play with me. I don't know if we have to start a new co-op playthrough or if you can just jump into like chapter three of my solo game. I'm not 100 percent sure how that works, because obviously Like I said, it just came out a couple hours ago, so I haven't fully explored it, but uh, it looks really good. It looks really creepy. I'm super excited. I actually did. So I started a solo playthrough and then realized I could co-op. So I went and looked up a video of one of my favorite streamers and he was doing a co-op playthrough. And there's like aspects that one player can see but the other player can't so like the co-op partner was like oh my god you didn't just see that like dude standing in the corridor and and the other guy was like no are you insane so they even show different visuals to both sides of the co-op so it really gives the feel of like a horror of like a you know i'm seeing things that my friends aren't and what's real and oh man it just looks so creepy and so fun and i can't wait to get into it i it looks really good yeah it looks really good I, I heard something else about like a, like a, a cinema style mode or something like that. I don't remember exactly what it was called, but it sounded like it might be something more for streamers or for people who had a large group of people that wanted to be involved in it. But I'd have to look, look at what that is exactly. Cause I can't recall it off the top of my head. Yeah. But uh, they're definitely designing a game that is super story focused but they're also taking their player experiences to the next level when it comes to playing through a story game. Like you're not just sitting there hitting enter to see the next scene or whatever. So I'm super excited to get in and get a playthrough down because it looks so cool. So yeah, I'm going to be talking about that a little bit more probably uh, next week, but uh, yeah, if you guys do enjoy the content that we put out, check out patreon.com slash the gamers in. Thank you to everyone who is over there supporting the show currently. That brings us to our topic of the week this week. And we are talking about Telltale. Speaking of story experiences with dialogue choices, Telltale is coming back sort of. So <laughs> Telltale obviously went out of business earlier on in the year. They, or at least the name and the licenses and the trademarks and everything else have been purchased 
And then this is where it gets super sketchy because they have attempted to hire back the majority of the devs, which on the first, um, like one hand, oh, yay, the devs are getting their jobs back. Telltale's coming back. Yay. Except for they hired them back as contract workers. So that's a thing. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a super, super sketchy business deal from the sounds of it. And some people seem super excited because the idea of, you know, um, Wolf Among Us 2 could actually be coming. But then on the other hand, it's like, yeah, but these are really th this is like the worst example of business practices in the gaming industry ever. And it's a problem not just in gaming. The idea of, you know, getting uh, firing, you know, uh, long tenure full time workers and hiring contract workers in their place that don't need benefits and don't need all the rest of it. Right. So it's a terrible business practice anyways, from a worker perspective. And now it's come to Telltale. So, John, did you play any of the Telltale games? I loved Telltale games. Um, I am so I'm glad because I am not a huge fan. <laughs> I'm glad I, that I, there's the voice of pro Telltale on the show. <laughs> I really like it. I mean, uh, for me, games are a way to tell a story. And, and that has always been my kind of stance on it. And uh, that has... My opinion on that has gotten a little broader over time, but for me, it used to just be story, story, story. Basically, from the age that I discovered role-playing games existed, I was like, well, if you're not telling a story in your game, then why are you wasting my time? Um, because all I want is a story. And like taking those story-based adventure games and just boiling it down to, uh, you know, here's a slightly interactable story. I was like, that's fine with me. Like, that's just as fun as, you know, doing an audiobook or, you know, something like that. That's cool. Um, their games were always a little on the janky side. Mm -hmm. uh, I never ran into any of the big problems that I know turned off a lot of people. I never had anything crazy. But, you know, every now and then you'd run into some stilted animations or, or stuff like that. But um, I'm a huge fan of uh, the Monkey Island games. Uh, always have been. And when I heard that Telltale got the license and they were going to make more Monkey Island, that was basically when I became a Telltale fan. Ah, okay. Because I know a lot of people got sucked in by The Walking Dead. And for me, I, I love The Walking Dead, like the TV show. And so it was kind of cool to play in the same universe, but with characters that we had never met before. But then, I don't know, they didn't stick with me the way that they stuck with a lot of people. So I only ever got into maybe the first chapter of the second Walking Dead game, I think. The one that really grabbed me and I thought was super cool was The Wolf Among Us. I really liked Us that. Great. That was yeah. a cool universe. It was a cool story. It was dark. It was rough. I really liked that, that world and that universe. I also really liked... Um, you know, I have always been a fan of the gameplay of Borderlands, mm -hmm. and I have always thought Borderlands is a game that thinks it's funny and isn't. Uh, that has always been my logic with that series. I'm like, yep, this is a game that thinks it's super cool and is not. And uh, Telltale Games changed my mind because the Borderlands game from Telltale was freaking cool and actually made me appreciate the story of Borderlands <laughs> way more than I ever should. And it was legitimately funny. Uh, also, what they did with Batman was really cool. So as a longtime Batman fan, they really did a, a nice, interesting alternate take on a lot of his stories. 
Yeah, unfortunately, the Minecraft and Marvel, uh, actually, and Walking Dead as well, are the licenses that they did lose, but they will hang on to anything from WB. So it's like they got like half of their original licensing because they have all their original stuff, which I'm not sure if that would count Borderlands or not. Maybe. But uh, it definitely lost Minecraft, definitely lost Marvel. So no more Batman and no more Walking Dead. So it's kind of too bad because, I mean, like you said, their their Batman stuff was pretty good. But well, uh, if they still have WB, they'd still have Batman. That's true. Batman's, Batman's, Batman's not, Marvel. not Marvel. Yeah. So what, they lost what were Guardians they of the Galaxy? Oh, Guardians. OK, that's it. I'm like, what were they working on that was Marvel? Um, but yeah, yeah. they guard. I never yeah. played that one. I didn't play that one either. And as far as I could tell, it was not as successful as they thought it was going to be. I think because um, I remember it kind of released, and then no one was really talking about it, and it was just kind of like, oh man, that release seemed to be like the company kind of put all its hope in. Is like, oh yay, we got Guardians of the Galaxy. Great, let's go print money. And then everyone was like. Uh, we don't really care about this. And they were like, crap. <laughs> yeah, I I felt that way too. And I think it's funny because when you look at, at Telltale and I'm like, oh, I love that company. But then I think about the stuff that came out from them and like there were always the ones that I really liked and then there were always the ones that just felt like they were and apparently they actually were frivolously just throwing their money around to buy big names so yeah. and put out a big name product and be like, just play it. And they oversaturated. Like, I loved that style of game, but I can only take so much. And when you're putting out two or three at a time, like, I'm not invested in that. I, I need to focus on one and then move on to another and then move on to another. And I need breaks yeah. in between so that I can work on other things. But instead they were like, here's Batman and also Guardians of the Galaxy. And here's this. It's just like, guys, it's too much. I yeah. appreciate what you're trying to do, but you're doing way too much of it. Well, and my problem was always that they were episodic, right? So they yeah. were, you know, like I would just start to get invested and then they were like, oh, but wait another three months just just because. And it's like, why not just wait until your whole game is done and then put it out and then I can play it on my own at my own pace. Like that was always my big problem with it. And especially you're right. Once they started doing it with multiple properties, then it was like, OK, so you have the time to finish three to four chapters at this point in time, but you're choosing to do that over three to four properties instead of just finishing my goddamn Batman story. <laughs> like <laughs> that was how I, I always felt with these episodic games just across all companies. Like it's not just a telltale problem, but they definitely launched the genre into, you know, mainstream, I would say with the walking dead, like the walking dead was the first game I really remember being episodic and that was something that was like a, a selling feature for some reason <laughs> so yeah it was it was that era of we're gonna see if we can make episodic work and so yeah. many people have tried that I mean Valve was the first company I remember um, really being the ones that were like episodic we're gonna release a little bit of a game rather than make you wait a long time and we all know how that worked out for Valve who can't count to three. <laughs> so uh, it didn't go well. And like, so I think Telltale was surprisingly successful with it mm -hmm. in that they 
said they were going to make an episodic game, and they did multiple times. Congratulations. You did a thing multiple times that most people couldn't pull off once. But I think there's a weird trade-off, right? Because you can see some advantage to if you're making an episodic game. You get that data of what people are choosing, and you can adjust or tweak based on what people are doing. Like, if you think you've added a real poignant twist to the game and you're like, ah, this is going to be good. And then you look at the player data and it's like 98% of players chose to do this. You're like, oh, crap. <laughs> I really thought this was going to be a 50-50 split. Yeah. We need, we can pivot. We need to, we don't need to necessarily hang our hat too much on this because guess what? It turns out everybody kind of picked the same thing. Yeah. And uh, there is an advantage to that. But assuming the, that they are making those kind of choices in the background. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. But we also got to a place day and age wise where streamers and the prevalence of streaming became a thing and became big and became the norm. And having a schedule uh, and is important to streaming, being able to say, I'm going to be here on this day, this day, this day, and this is what we're going to be playing. And that works really well in an episodic game that has all come out at once because you can say, I'm playing chapter one today. Next week, we'll dive into chapter two. Next week, we'll dive into chapter three. But if you're trying to play it when it came out, as they came out, your audience is forgetting about it. Like, they're not excited about it or interested anymore. And are you really excited and interested to be streaming that, you know, in three months, depending on when it comes out? Probably not. Yeah, definitely. And it's interesting that you mentioned streaming and YouTube, because that's actually one of the things that they basically said killed the company. Because apparently they had 15 million people that watched Batman on YouTube, but only 250,000 people actually bought it. So it's like you've got this crazy amount of interest in the stories that you're telling. And I feel like this would kind of, I mean, apply to games like Until Dawn as well. Like anything that is super story based, people are going to watch it instead of because it is it's almost like a movie, right? So yeah. if people are going to watch it instead of buy it, these kind of games become a huge risk for the company that's making them because it's like streaming and YouTube exists and is free, which means there's no barrier between your potential consumers and your product, right? I can go to YouTube today and go watch Man of Medan playthroughs like easy peasy done. Didn't pay a cent, you know, got the story. If I'm the kind of person that doesn't care about making my own choices and just wants to see like the choices of my favorite streamer or, you know, just wants to watch somebody else give me the gist of what the story is. And I don't care about putting my own personal stamp on it. I can go and see that story for free and I never have to give Supermassive Games a cent. And that's yeah. like a really big risk for companies like this. So that's why, I mean, I like to, when I think they're telling a good story, I like to actually buy things instead of just watching them. But I can see how this is a huge problem. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm in the same boat, like I said earlier. Until dawn, I have seen five complete playthroughs and never played through it myself. Now, I do own the game, so... So that's, you know, at least I'm you're, you're doing exactly your part. Yeah. part of the problem. <laughs> Although, Joss, let me be real. I got it through PlayStation Plus. 
<laughs> oh, John. I, I own the game uh, officially as long as my PlayStation subscription <laughs> stays intact. Um, right. So you would assume that through PlayStation Plus, the developers are getting something. It's not the same as if you, you know, didn't have that and you just watched the YouTube version and that was it. So, I mean, you're still you're still supporting the game. You're still supporting the developers. So I think that that's that's fine. It's up to them to negotiate with PlayStation. Right. So, yeah. They're getting something uh, I, out of you. <laughs> and I might I might go back and play it one day because, you know, that's the thing is like these games in a lot of ways live on in kind of a weird way because, you know, you might, you know, you might have a, a new girlfriend or boyfriend or something and say, oh, man, I really love this game until dawn. Did you ever play that game? No, I don't know what that is. Oh, I got to tell you about it. And then it turns into. Oh, we should play that. We should together. play it. Yeah, exactly. And I think and the, the way that you kind of go about making this um, replayable and interesting and worth buying is giving a lot of choices that lead to a lot of branching paths. Like the other thing that comes to my mind is Detroit Become Human. And if you do one playthrough and then look at the end of the of the level and see all the paths you miss, like that game has almost infinite replayability because it's just it, those webs go everywhere. <laughs> And I think yeah. that's how you make a game profitable is make it so if you watch it, you might get the general idea of the story. But there are so many different ways that it can actually play out along that broad story rail that it's worth either playing yourself or watching many times over. Right. And Telltale wasn't great at that. No. Like, oh, that, my God. That was an area where that was a problem. They were big on the illusion of choice. Yeah, like, but it never meant journey. shit. <laughs> Right. Your journey from A to B would be very different, but you were still going from A to B. Spoilers for Walking Dead. Lee still dies at the end of Walking Dead. Doesn't really matter what you do. He dies. Yeah. How he dies might vary. The circumstances leading up to it might vary a lot, but that is always going to be the story of him passing the torch of the knowledge of how to survive in this world to a little girl to give her the tools to continue to survive. That's what that story is. That's what that story always is. And I love that story and it's good. But if you see it on a stream, you have more or less seen that game. There's exactly. really not much else to go do. But if you make a game that has all sorts of twists and turns, then you might at least get your audience to go, oh, that's not the decision I would have made. Now I got to go play it to see what would have happened had I made a different decision. Right. And because Telltale never had that. No, Telltale didn't do that at all. They were definitely taking you on a journey, but to a very set destination. Whereas like uh, Detroit Become Human and even Until Dawn, like Until Dawn, you could have a whole ton of different people die. Like basically every single character in that game can die. And then not only that, and then that changes the way that your characters interact with each other. But then, I mean, if you look at Detroit Become Human, that thing, I don't even know how many endings it had, but I'm pretty sure like the final level, I think, had 12 to 15 different possible endings, depending on how you even got to that scene, like where you entered that flow chart. There were some ways that like because that was another one where you could have main characters die before the end. So like how you even entered that final scene dictated which parts of the flow chart you could even access. And sometimes there was some crossover, but not often. And yeah, I don't know how many off the top of my head there were, but I feel like there was at least 15 different possible endings to that game. 
That's insane. <laughs> that means yeah. that there are so many different stories to be told within that one experience that it becomes a thing that you should probably just experience for yourself or watch a whole bunch of different videos. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, I think it, it becomes a lot easier to justify a purchase when there are that many potential different outcomes. But if you are like telltale and I hope that, you know, it, I hope that they take the the feedback that people don't want to buy games made by contract workers, especially when they're hired back to the same freaking company that came out of bankruptcy. Like, I hope that they hear that and then make better deals with their workers and then in turn make better games and learn a little bit from the telltale of the past and make their games a little bit more. Um, I don't want to say interesting because like you said, the walking dead was a good story, but um, maybe give actual choice instead of just the illusion of choice so that your yeah. games aren't consumable in a four hour YouTube video. Yeah, well, what you need is you need people to look at the game, see someone make a choice and think, how is it even possible for that story to go on with the decision? With a different choice. Made? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You, you have to feel like what you decided was 100% what you wanted to do. And then you have to have other people look at it and go, I don't know how the story moves on mm -hmm. with, with what you just did. You know, a Mass Effect had a lot of this. You know, when you got to three, and a lot of people have complaints about how Mass Effect ends, but when you got to three, if you heard from somebody that's like, oh, this character's dead in my playthrough, people would get indignant and go, how do you even play that game with that character dead? Yeah. How is it possible? <laughs> it, it can't be done. It's not, go back and play two again. You've messed up. Yeah, like, you ruined it. <laughs> And so I think like if you if you streamed Mass Effect one, two and three, I think you would still have people that would go, well, I need to go through and play it because they clearly screwed up. They, they made a mistake <laughs> and I'm I'm not having any of it. Yeah, very much so. Very much so. So hopefully they, they learn a bit and uh, whatever we get out of Telltale comes from happy workers that are telling great stories. But uh, yeah, so that that's the big news this week is that Telltale has come back. That's pretty much going to do it for. Yeah, sort of. Yeah, <laughs> that's going to do it for us this week. John, thank you so much for joining us or well, joining me. There's no us. <laughs> hey, I like to think that Ryan's here in yeah. secret watching over over <laughs> all of this in spirit. Oh, God. <laughs> so where can folks find you on the Internet if they do want to follow your work? Best place is to just follow me on Twitter at John underscore Jagger. I will likely tweet where I'm going to be. If you say, John, your opinions on video games are intriguing, whether I agree with them or not, <laughs> uh, I would encourage you to check out Core, uh, which is a video game podcast I do, part of the Frog Pants Network. You can find out more about that at uh, heroesforyou.com. Also, if you thought this WoW talk was good, it turns out I do a WoW podcast every week. Uh, that's called Azeroth Roundtable. Information at AzerothRoundtable.com. Joss has been on that show a lot. I have. Um, and is always a phenomenal guest. And uh, finally, if you like topics we didn't talk about at all on this show and are into Dungeons & Dragons, I play it online. We post it. And you can check out ThereWillBeDungeons.com to find out more about that D&D campaign. 
Now, is your D&D campaign going to be going on a hiatus of any kind, or are you maybe going to have one character uh, sit out a few rounds? Or <laughs> So, yeah, so there's definitely, we're, we're, you know, fingers are crossed that we're going to be doing a normal show this week. We don't know 100%, but we think we'll be doing a normal show this week. Uh, but we are going to put a temporary pin in the current story and we're going to do some one shots, some other just fun little things to kind of carry us over the next couple of weeks uh, while uh, Kyle and Kristen enjoy uh, having a baby come into their life, whatever <laughs> that may be. Good. I'm so glad because I, I wasn't sure exactly what the plan was. So that's awesome. I'm glad you guys are going to be uh, continuing that while also giving them uh, some time to rest without actually missing the story, because I know uh, you guys do a really good job over on that show. So the funny thing about it is, is like we're having to reinforce take as much time as you need, <laughs> because here's the thing about that show. We're all having so much fun that they're like, it'll just be a week. And I'm like, it's we could probably be back and like they they want to get back so bad and it's like take as much time as you need it'll be fine it'll still be here whenever you're ready but yeah you know they're they're dying to get back already and they haven't even left yet so it's <laughs> it's good that's a good problem to have absolutely and we're all very excited for them great so yeah you guys should go follow all of John's shows and uh, follow him over on Twitter as well. If you'd like to keep up with Ryan and I, you can do so in our Discord. You can go to bit.ly slash TGI Discord. You can also email the show at info at gamersinpodcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter. You can find me, Jocelyn at Joss Plays. Ryan is Dar Murphy. And don't forget to follow the show at The Gamers In. The video versions of our episodes are streamed on Thursdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern on twitch.tv slash The Gamers In and are also available after the fact over on Twitch. Thanks for staying at the Gamers Inn. Remember, tune in next week. Bye, everybody. Here we go. So long. <laughs> I, <didn't know. laughs> I, didn't I am know so I keeping that in. I <laughs> was supposed to say anything, so I figured I'd wait an uncomfortable amount of time and then say an awkward goodbye. Perfect. Perfect.